Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. I can't. Can I just open the episode by saying thank you to everybody who checked out Good Morning Video Games? Is that okay? Do you mind? Yeah. Why would I not? Yeah, of course. Go okay. For it. I'm in the process of doing that. Thank you all for for watching Good Morning Video Games. I announced that at the end of the last episode, uh, and a lot of people checked it out, and I just wanted to say thanks. It's been really fun. I've only done it for a week so far, but it, it's it's cool. And it's good. And I'm glad people like it. Yeah. No, I, I'm glad you took, I'm glad you did that on the top. Hell yeah. I'm into yeah. this confidence. Uh, oh yeah. G, uh, GMVG.online is the website. You can go check it out uh, if you want. Anyway, let's talk about Sea of Thieves, a new video <laughs> game from Rare. <laughs> That's definitely not four years old that Stephen and I played a whole bunch of. Is and we played some with AJ old? and it was great. Yeah, it was a really fun time. So, you know, as we've often discussed, we both now have access to Game Pass, which is like a constant gift, really. Yeah. Um, and one of the games I like downloaded pretty much impulsively was Sea of Thieves. I've been wanting to play this for forever. It was one of the few Microsoft exclusives that I really wanted to play. Mm-hmm. I think it's also on PC, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and that... it's crossplay between PC and Xbox is worth noting. Ooh, that's fun. But, you know, as as many longtime listeners know, I don't have a gaming PC and I didn't have an xbox one so i couldn't play sea of thieves developed by rare four years ago but now (laughs) everything is different the seas have changed the tide has pulled me into the grasp of rare i can't i can't get over i think we both didn't know that it was rare at least i didn't know it was rare i knew it was rare well again you know you're you're with it i was lost at sea you were still playing fire emblem awakening (laughs) on your 3ds i was still playing (laughs) how old is this game i was born and sea of thieves came out and like steven you like this i'm like no i want to play mario um that's baby steven and teen steven was like no i want to play oblivion and then post teen steven was like no i want to play fire emblem awakening but now I'm an adult and I'm playing Sea of Thieves like everyone has for the last four years. It is so much fun. It is like, so here's the deal. I've, I've like joked about this in the past, but there's something about like boat nautical fantasy that I just really love. Like it's like my favorite like type of adventure. Yeah. I don't like care if there's pirates involved, um, but like I love the idea. Like that's why I like Wind Waker so much. There's something about like spending very like quiet time at sea when nothing is really happening that like really makes an adventure feel important to me. I don't know what it is. I think it's Mm -hmm. like, and that's something I think we talked a little bit about um, in the Skyrim bonus is like when kind of like an open world fantasy game allows these like quiet moments where nothing is calling out to you to happen to me that that aids the things that do happen greatly absolutely it's kind of like when you throw salt in a dessert it's like you're not going to say i want a cake because there's salt in it but if there wasn't you wouldn't get the 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 same texture and flavors from it Mm -hmm. um if you're baking a cake it has to have salt in it um anyway I, so, I just I just want to say that there's there has been a constant through line on this show of you talking about how much you love nautical shit. Um, and that's not even uh, just on the show. That's like off the show. That's like in conversation with you just casually. <laughs> so like the end game of this, I'm just going to call it now. This is this is my big prediction for Stephen Hilger. This isn't I'm not I'm not predicting like what I think our game of the year is going to be 2021. I'm not predicting anything but what I think your life trajectory is going to be is that eventually you're going to move to a coastal town or an island and you will have a small dinghy. Not a full boat, but you'll have a dinghy. <laughs> and you'll love that dinghy. 
I've thought about like what I would want to do in retirement. I'm like, what if I just like set sail and just like saw what happened? Hell you know? yeah. Why not? Yeah, dude. Port. If I was like the weird guy who like gives you quests in real life at a port town, <laughs> that's like my ideal vibe. Like, oh, hey, stranger. Have you read this haunted novel? Better that than a, than a fucking millionaire who writes a medium post about how they sold everything and bought a boat and you can do it too. You know, like... <laughs> I feel yeah, like man. was a weird trend in like 2014 was like yes, every was millionaire sold their their loft apartment and then bought a boat and then realized that sailing was hard and then stopped. <laughs> <laughs> the year I graduated college, like every clickbait article was something like that, where yeah. it was like, you know, I, the Ben Franklin generation became a millionaire and I only travel now. It's like, go eat shit. I just want health insurance. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, awful. Anyway, um, we've been playing Sea of Thieves. Uh, <laughs> You ever forget what our podcast is? <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling this episode was going to be like this because like we're in kind of a weird time of year right now where like when it's January, we usually find like a January obsession. So like last year it was FF14 in the quiet moment, innocuous salt type adventure Yeah, uh, where there's not a lot of stuff coming out. And, and as we often say, we're not beholden to the release schedule at all, but we do have a genuine interest in a lot of things that are coming out. But I think in January, we're like even more incentivized to like yeah. check out our backlog or revisit stuff. There, Cause there is no release schedule even, even right, if we right. want, even if we were a podcast that was like, <laughs> we follow the, the general release schedule of things that are coming out. There's nothing coming out. We are yeah. for all intents and purposes adrift. So it really makes sense <laughs> that you and I decided to play Sea of Thieves this week. Yeah, but I was going to say, like, you know, for most of this month, like, a lot of my time still has been devoted to getting through the post game of Dragon Quest XI, yeah. uh, which I'm really enjoying. But I'll, obviously, we'll talk more about that at the end of the month in our bonus episode. I'm playing more of Dragon Quest V even still, which I talked about a week or so ago, which I think I'll probably bring up again, but I want to wait until I'm, like, done with it before I give it another segment. Mm. So, like... I've been kind of, uh, there hasn't been like a ton of time to really dive into something like brand new. God, I didn't mean to make that nautical as well. Uh, but like, <laughs> so, but like I was just looking at game pass and I said, you know what? Anchors away. Let's check it out. <laughs> I was going to say, like, when we have an episode where there isn't, like, a very, like, direct topic, it ends up becoming something like this, where we get extra silly. So that's just, I just wanted to point that out and be a little, you know, uh, <laughs> self-analytical. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Sea of Thieves is is honestly such a blast. So we played with AJ. I think the thing I... I this game is pretty well known, so I don't know if we're going to talk, like, a ton about what it is. But for those unfamiliar, um, it's basically, like, chaotic co-op on a boat. So, like, you're all on a boat of a various size. The boat gets bigger the more people you're playing with, we notice. So like when it was just the two of us, it was like the single player boat. And when it was the three of us, it was like a galleon basically. Um, And so you all kind of have to do different things. So like, you know, there's someone at the, at the wheel, like piloting the ship. Other people could maybe monitor and like do repairs if you get attacked by other ships or creatures or whatever. Or if you're like us, you could just play public domain shanties for like (laughs) hours at a time and say nothing over the microphone. Yeah. Uh, You can play the accordion, the hurdy-gurdy. Is that what it's called? The hurdy-gurdy, yeah. I can't believe that's what it's called. You can play the accordion, the hurdy-gurdy, like a a kind of string lyre, I guess, and a drum. And if it's just the drum, you whistle as well. So like the amount of our time playing this is half us playing Happy Birthday while we like sunk. I I still can't believe that happy birthday is one of the options. (laughs) 
like probably the best version of happy birthday I've ever listened to. As like, <laughs> we just saw like a skull in the sky and getting hit by cannons. But anyway, it, it's one of those games where it's like it's co-op, but you know nothing's going to go right. Um, your your mission yeah. is to like go to different islands and find treasure. Um, we're still not like super sure of how the quest system works. It's honestly a little hard to parse, to be honest. Like, yeah, you know, you're given a map to. Fi- it's easy to like to find the islands and to like. It's just challenging enough to like find the treasure, but like who I give things to or why or what works like it never feels like we're doing what we're supposed to be doing but there's also a lot of joy in that I think honestly like I almost wish there were no quests in this game just like let me go to any island and see what happened you yeah. know and like yeah let I I kind of agree actually because so yeah. I played this game right when it came out also um because yeah. I, I had an Xbox uh at, at the time so I was like okay cool I'll check out this like big first party kind of like but what, what I'd heard about it is that it was kind of more open and had kind of like a, a, a here it comes a minecraftian influence um <laughs> just just in its um player agency over everything kind of uh game mechanisms so it seemed like the kind of game that like would try and encourage you to just go out and find stuff but it really seemed like it it was riding this line that at the time didn't feel like it was balanced literally at all where like you would start in that starting town and they would try and lead you on quests and stuff and then you just continue doing quests i think i agree with you that i would much rather just sail to islands and like see what's there and like have stuff to do there almost akin to like a breath of the wild like okay i'm looking in this direction and that that place seems cool so i'm going to go to it and see what's going on um and maybe pick up a quest while i'm there like i think that'd be more interesting than having these like hub towns with a bunch of like destiny-esque factions that give you quests to do different things like i I don't need that much structure i think weirdly enough this game is weirdly a game that would be better with less structure i do think it's nice now that there's a tutorial in the game which there absolutely was not the first time i played the game yeah um so there's tutorial is nice even though you and aj and i were all trying to rush through it as quickly as possible uh because we just wanted to play the video game but uh it is nice for new players to have some kind of structure there at least in the beginning it's one of those games where it feels like they make the controls just confusing enough to make everything feel like you know frantic when it's chaotic you know like totally and i i think what this game does really well going back to like the quiet moments in an adventure when you're just at sea like it it, it kind of takes like a wind waker approach like if you sail to an island it, it's going to take like maybe five to ten minutes to get to like a normal like right i mean you can go wherever but if you're going to like where the quest says like hey go to this first island like it'll take a bit to get there and like how you choose to organically fill that time whether it's like playing instruments or just like if you're playing by yourself just like really soaking in the sights because honestly like i knew this game like i saw footage of it and i knew that the characters were very like team fortress 2-esque in their kind of like cartoony Mm, design but i didn't know that and maybe this is you know intensified by playing on the series s but the the game is beautiful like the water and the and the light and the sky is like unreal It, it really is a testament to I think a focus in the in the craft of the game where they're like okay like the characters don't look bad but we're not going to bother making like photorealistic pirates when that's not the focus of the game the focus of the game is to like really make you immersed in life at sea for better and for worse yeah and like the way the boat rocks when you're like hit by waves and the way just the water like the way the light hits the water on the boat is like so like I, I never really want I don't care if a game is photorealistic or not, but this game really benefits from being photorealistic in certain areas. Again, because of the contrast of like 
how the characters look versus how the water looks and feels like Mm -hmm. it also feels more threatening when it is like against you. And it feels like it captures what outer wilds did really well, where just sort of like the solitary uh, void of traveling in space. Yeah. Um, This is like the, the not literally the nautical equivalent of that. where like, it's going to take a bit of time to get to a new destination and how the environment treats you and affects you. in that is kind of like neutral chaos, you know, like I really love the organic environment. And like, you know, when you find an Island and you find skeletons and you find them like, that's fine. That's fun. But it's like really second to the sea itself. Like the sea really is the starring part of this game and is like why you will play it i totally um, agree yeah yeah I, I, as fun as it is to like pick up a quest and like throw it on the throw it on the um the captain's table and like everybody throws a knife down onto the quest if they want to do it you know uh th- that's like the equivalent of voting for a quest and then you go to an island and search for buried treasure on, on an x on a map and dig it up and bring it back like that's the core gameplay loop that is all way less interesting to me than just like traveling at sea and yeah. even I, I i think like that's kind of one of the the things i i want to harp on again is just like i do i do think that this game would be almost better with less structure like i don't need to have a starting town with a bunch of people who are selling maps to me to go find buried treasure like that's less interesting to me than you you and aj and i sailing way too far out on the map and running into like what seemed to be a ship of the dead that was like impossible to take down with literally all of the ammo we had every cannonball every like firebomb that we threw none of it was effective it got to the point where we were trying to board their ship to like fight the skeletons one by one like that was thrilling and that was it was thrilling and it was completely out of nowhere you know that was completely generative it just it just happened to happen to us um i don't even think it was because we went to a certain area i think it just like may or may not happen and while we were in the middle of doing that we got attacked by a sea creature like a big like kind of mythical sea creature so like all of that stuff happening simultaneously is why i want to play sea of thieves it's it's the quiet until it's not that i find really exciting yes Um, absolutely because the actual act of like going and searching for for a piece of buried treasure and then you you dig it up and then skeletons attack you is like a little less interesting to me. I totally agree. I mean, I think like what I think about is just the the moment where I was at the wheel, you were standing at the edge of the ship, just looking at the red tornado on the distance, yeah. like, you know, a habian and your and your like <laughs> tenacious desire for just going to the most dangerous point on the map. And AJ was just playing the accordion, like, you know, yeah. like, or maybe I, one or the other of us were playing the accordion while the other one was piloting. AJ is easily the best captain of the ship at, at steering and such. Yeah. Um, Put AJ on the wheel. Put AJ at the the helm. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I I will definitely play. I I will say too, this game, you kind of need to play with friends. Like the solitary. I do think you'll enjoy the like solitary vibe of travel. But I think like doing anything else will not be as fun. Um, I agree. And and it won't be as effective. Because I think a lot of the game is like, shit, okay, you go downstairs and patch up the walls and like i love the the maintenance aspect too like mm-hmm. loading the cannons and and like all of that is really well done i think that you know the the weaker parts that we pointed out are like the the skeletons and like the quests but yeah um, well it's just they, that like if if the focus was on quests and stuff then that wasn't even really very clear to me you know like that, right. that wasn't really part of the tutorial or anything like there are there seems to be some kind of focus on like uh the the free-to-play 
aspects of this game. Like they, it seems like they want you to get like a premium currency so you can like buy cosmetic upgrades that make your pirate look different and stuff. But it was never even made clear to me like where say they wanted me to spend money on the premium currency. I don't even know how to do that. Yeah, you know, right. same. Um, yeah, and and not only like. I, I would like to know that, but I would also like to know, is there a way to get it in game? You know, what what person do I go to for different quests to get those different currencies? Like, why would I want to level up one faction over another? Like, none of that stuff is explained. And that seems to be the bedrock of like for the people who continue to play this game, who are like Sea of Thieves fans, the way like Destiny fans or Destiny fans. Like there is a whole world in which you could just be playing Sea of Thieves all the time with your friends that that I don't understand because the game didn't give me any hints of that instead what the game asked me to do was to just set sail and like explore and that rules yeah that, that is yeah. really fun but i don't i don't under, i don't understand currently from the limited time that you and i have played together so far like how how it's sustainable or how it's a sustained video game um as much as i would like to and i and, and i don't mean that in terms of like i could i could very easily go on google and and like search for that and find <laughs> the answer i'm sure but i would like if the game told me what it what what its goal was for me you yeah know? it took us i think a couple sessions to like have the mental blueprint of like okay what is like an important resource to find never mind like the stuff i can buy with real money it's like yes. what does food do okay it heals you what right. does wood do, do different foods do different things yeah maybe you know if like i that. dig up worms and eat them will i barf the answer is yes the answer is yeah you'll barf uh, a lot I, I shouldn't have just i get i handed aj a raw turkey lake and he couldn't you can't like cycle through food or at least we didn't know how at the time so he's like i i keep barfing i don't want to keep eating this raw chicken he kept trying to hand it to us yeah it's 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 an incredibly funny game too in that like it's full of those chaotic moments like i think you know rare and the team that made this like knew that okay if we just give you instruments it's going to be half of your time and i really like there's a void of games like that where they just give you things that don't really have any like direct purpose, but will be so important to your experience. Mm -hmm. We will definitely play more of it. I think we have intentions on streaming it sometime soon too. Once like we have been experiencing some like te technical difficulties with it. And also like, I think probably still want like a firmer grasp on like some elements of the game. But honestly, like even though I think we're like confused and a little bit ambivalent to the like, I guess core quest part of the game, it does seem serviceable and I think that like once we get like a stronger idea of what that even does, I think we'll have a better idea of how to gauge okay, do we just for the session set sail and see what happens or do we want to pick up a quest? Is it mm -hmm. like a Skyrim where I can just do I'm going to go out and explore and end up doing quests because of that or do we have to really take something from the hub world before? So yeah. like in our in our first session with AJ, we, we ended up I, I think killing like a skeleton pirate lord or something who dropped um, like the first sentence of a quest which was interesting. Yeah. So we had yeah. so like just by going out and exploring you can find stuff to do which is cool um, you know and like track it down and see where it leads uh we ended up not playing long enough to actually finish that quest so like not really sure what happens but it does seem like that is built into the game which is nice but it seems whenever you start the game you wake up in a tavern and like a bunch of people talk to you and try and tell you to you pick up quests and stuff you know so it seems like you're not supposed to just go out and explore the world but it's just interesting because like this game has been out for four years and they've clearly updated it a lot at least since the last time i played but not a lot of it 
seems to pertain to the new player experience outside of telling you what the buttons do by making you go through that tutorial, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which like is the basis of what I want from a tutorial, but I also want to learn some of the systems at play yeah, and, and how, yeah. how they want me to experience the game. I wouldn't mind like, I mean, I think destiny two does a pretty good job now at like, you yeah. get to the, to the last city pretty soon or pretty early on in your playthrough. And they, this in the quest make you like visit all the important people. And it yeah. takes like less than five minutes where it's like, hi, I'm the guy who gives you strikes. Okay, cool. Done. Yeah. I know, yeah. you know, and they all kind of are dressed up. Like you would assume the person who gives you that type of quest is dressed. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, the guy who like accepts your junk is like a robot. Like I'll take your junk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Point taken. You go on a junk to sell. So yeah. Uh, whereas like we got a few glowing skulls and sea of thieves and I'm like, who do I give this to? I can't right. even like put it in a barrel. I have to like be holding it or drop it on the floor. Yeah. And then we found like, there's like a specific faction that like loved the skull. Like we gave them the skull and they're like, here's 5,000 gold and yeah. seven additional reputation with like, right. You're our King the, now. Thank you for this yeah. one skull that you found. <laughs> King skull Stevie. Yeah, I know him. But like, that was just, that was just complete completely on a whim was like yeah was like we right. had no idea what to do with that skull and we just like figured it out by just like bringing it to people and pressing the left trigger to hold it at them <laughs> which like there is an element of like that could be the intended design but i don't think it is you know that's the I don't thing think, that's the yeah. thing is that it could yeah. be fun like it that could be like the actual way you're supposed to play it is to just like bump up against the systems until you figure them out but yeah it does seem like there's supposed to be more of a structure there that's just not really explained at all i would love that uh, something i liked a lot about wind waker's like you know beetle and his debut appearance mm-hmm. thank you would show up on his ship you know yeah. you would see his ship like oh shit do I want to sail to the beetle? Like, yeah, let's do it. I kind of wish, like, if there were these factions or these people that sell stuff, that they just, like, maybe they do. We haven't played enough to know. But, like, it'd be cool if, like, you saw a ship in the distance and you're like, oh, I can't tell what that ship is. Is it an enemy? Is it maybe a merchant ship that could help us out? You yeah. know, like, that to me is always, like, a really fun balancing act of, like, any kind of, like, seafaring adventure is, like, what do we... And it goes to, like, almost, like, a Star Trek thing. It's like, do we hail them? Do we just, like, yeah. ready cannons? You know, like, I kind of wish there was a little bit more of that. And maybe, again, maybe there is, especially because there are other people playing. So, like, theoretically, right. if you saw another group of, like, players, you could, you know, anchor up and trade stuff. But I yeah. doubt that happens very often, yeah, <laughs> given it, our it little seems, experience. From what, I, from what I understand, because this game was like really big on twitch for a while i would say like maybe a year or two ago um it really blew up on twitch for a bit weirdly weirdly enough not like when it came out but like later um yeah but I think that was when they added some more social stuff. So, for example, one of the items that you start with is like a bullhorn kind of. Uh, and when you're playing, if you're playing and communicating over Xbox Live, like in game, not in a party, but like using the in-game voice chat to to talk with your uh, crewmates, you can actually hold the bullhorn up to your mouth and like scream things across the ocean at other people, uh, <laughs> which is like, I think, hilarious. I'm sure it's used to horrible effect in game sure. <laughs> if you're actually yeah, right. interacting with it. I have heard people yelling at at us but i've never seen them there are a couple instances where i heard people just go hey at us um yeah which was weird and then i was like was that aj or steven and then realized that it wasn't um and that it was probably somebody in the distance but i i could never see them or find them we actually didn't have a lot of interactions with other players outside of one one person who was like lying in wait at the starter island who killed the two of us and yeah i don't know and then he bizarre. died yeah, yeah it was really bizarre died. 
One of the best things about the entire game, though, if I if I had to like point at one thing and say this is this is indicative of why Sea of Thieves is so good, is that you can climb up to the top of the crow's nest and choose from a bunch of flags, and one of them is the original Xbox logo. So we were <laughs> we were sailing around. <laughs> the ocean with with uh the ss xbox which just fucking rules something about us like all like i was trying to bucket like you know when you get hit by a cannon there's like whole you know there'll be holes like below deck and you patch them up with planks of wood um and if you don't do it fast enough it starts to fill with water so you have a bucket that you can like you know start dumping the water out and i was like, oh we just need to bucket out some of this water as the ship was sinking yeah and then I saw the Xbox Finals go underwater. <laughs> I was like, this is such a sight. Yeah, it is It is a really fun time. I mean, I think, like, the three of us will have fun no matter what we're playing. But I think it's, like, it's the exact tools we need to, to have, like, a very chaotic, fun time. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. there's a really good balance of chaos and structure. And, like, outside of the quest, the core game really is, like, I think they do want you to do... At least the option is there, whether it's intended or not. Like the option is to sail wherever and see what happens exists within the game. Mm -hmm. And I've really, you know, I've really enjoyed that so far. So I'm excited to see what else there is. You know, I, I think like, I don't know how into the destiny side of things we'll get. Like, I don't really care. Like, like I got a hook for a hand and like a cool jackets like i'm set yeah you know, we all like, look I great i don't know i don't know amazing. how much better we can look honestly you look like lady maria from bloodborne which is incredible because me yeah. and aj look like new pirates you know like the pirates you meet before you meet the captain right like just to suggest like, oh you're on a pirate ship in this piece of media yeah <laughs> but you were clearly in charge which is great <laughs> yeah uh, it's fun. It's a good game. It's a good video game. And that's the thing that we kept saying over and over again out loud is this is a good video game. It's a good video game. It's a fun time. I had a good time with it. I'm so <laughs> glad I played it uh, now, even though it's been out for decades. All right. So out of five, what would you give the graphics? I give this game a five out of five. You know, I had such a fucking fun time being a pirate at sea with my friends. Playing. The game makes you feel like Batman. You really feel like <laughs> Hurdy Gurdy himself. <laughs> Happy birthday, Hurdy. Happy birthday, Gurdy. Happy birthday, Hurdy Gurdy. Hurdy Gurdy for me. Mwah, 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 mwah. I think we should take a break. <laughs> oh, it's drowning. <laughs> like the Xbox flag goes underwater. Yeah, there was there was yeah. one really good uh, glitch that I ran into. So I don't know why, but for some reason, uh, whenever I was playing this game just last night, I didn't I didn't have this issue too much uh, earlier. But last night when we were playing the game, I would disconnect from Xbox Live like every five minutes. Not yeah. really sure why, uh, but there was one instance like every time I could tell it was going to disconnect because like something in the game wouldn't be working correctly. So, for example, I was trying to shoot a snake that was trying to kill you. And for some reason, the snake was like invincible and would not die. So things like that. But there was one instance last night where uh, you were <laughs> I was I was steering the ship and you were on the deck just playing the accordion. And then like suddenly the ship just started sinking into the water and you were still on the deck and you were just talking about all the games you were excited to play this year <laughs> while, while playing the accordion. And I was like, is this a bit? Does Steven know that the <laughs> ship is sinking or is my game glitching? <laughs> And I'm sinking and he's not. Uh, and you were like, I think you missed some, <laughs> some patches in the shit. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I patched it up perfectly. Yeah. Then you got disconnected. Yeah. yeah. But it, <laughs> is this a bit? <laughs> I'm so excited to play Fire Emblem 3. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah, but it's it's a really fun time. If you haven't played it, uh, it's on Game Pass. If you have that, um, super worth downloading. If you have a group of friends to play it with, good time. Yeah, if you can, and like Game Pass has a has a free trial or something, like just check it out. It's really good. Yeah, it's a good time. It's something that I haven't experienced in a while. Weirdly. Um, okay, let's take a break. Okay. See ya. Goodbye. So long. Hey, Brendan, uh, during this break, I wanted to do a little segment on another Game Pass game I've been playing um, that I've been really enjoying called Carto. Very excited to talk about it. Uh, Very, very pretty indie game. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, It is published by Humble Games, who brought us stuff like Eichenfell and Slay the Spire. They do good work. And it was developed by Sunhead Games. Uh, It came out like at the end of last year. So unlike Sea of Thieves, it is a new game-ish. And... Truth be told, I've been checking out a lot of stuff on Game Pass. Like lately, I've been downloading like, you know, five or six games just to like have like on the back burner for stuff to talk about and also to check out. Um, and sometimes, you know, as as that process should be, I'll check out stuff and it may not click right away or I might like, you know, undownload certain things, you know, and just switch it up, which is the beauty of Game Pass. So you can just check out like a handful of things and see what clicks. Yeah. I say that to highlight that Cardo is easily... One of my favorite, like, oh, I'll just check this out. Looks cool. Games of Game Pass so far. Mm. Um, Knowing, like, really nothing about it. Uh, It is, as you said, a really beautiful game. The the art style is, like, very purposely two-dimensional in that it kind of almost looks like the, like, story slides of Yoshi's Island. Like, it's very colorful and, like, um, almost like a a children's book. Um, I wouldn't say this game is for children, although it's very, like... Very much for all ages. Uh, so I think, like, you know, if you're looking for a game to play with kids or anything like that, like play with your family, this is probably a great pick. Um, but also a great pick if you're just a fully grown man playing Game Pass. Uh, <laughs> in, <laughs> in Cardo, you play as a young girl who falls out of an airplane uh, piloted by her very cool grandmother um, and falls on this island where she discovers the ability that she can kind of change the layout of the island by messing around with the map. So it's kind of tiled in like a Legend of Zelda way where like, you know, you can go in in one of four directions and you'll you'll progress to the next square of the map. And usually on a square, you will find a page, which is a new part of the map. And then when you look at the map, you can select where that new page goes. So cool. In the very beginning, this this game does a great job at kind huh. of like slowly teaching you the rules and then kind of twisting them. So in the very beginning, it's very much that like you're finding a page and, you know, the first like issue you might run into is, like, oh, OK, like I can't always connect the pages. So there might be like a body of water on one that needs to face a certain direction or something like that. So the very beginning is like real simple. Um, but then uh, you'll be prompted with stuff like the first kind of major puzzle, if you will. You You meet an old man. Um, and that's the other thing too you it's like kind of very zelda-y in that you meet a lot of npcs that are all like very charming and kind of mm. a little strange but very welcoming which is like my perfect npc balance you know yeah, yeah. like beetle is like peak welcoming and kind of strange and everyone's like sort of like that but you meet this old man who's like hey can you help me get home like i live west of uh of the house that you found uh, and he's like can you help me get there so at first i was like okay does he follow me like how do i how do i get him there but what he meant was you actually have to change where he is on the map so you take the page you're on you put him west of the house and so then you can suddenly, at any point pick up 
pieces of the map and move them around. Exactly right. Even if really you're on cool. that piece. Yeah. So oh, that sounds so cool. Oh man. It's really I just keep saying neat. the word cool over and over again. It's just, <laughs> so this is just so cool. I love this. I can't think you know, of it, any other word, but cool. This is, it wow. is, it's a very I'm cool I'm definitely going to check this out. I'm actually going to download you, this literally right now while you're talking about it. Hell yeah. No, of course. Yeah. It's also on, it's on game pass, but it's also on switch and like pretty much everything from what yeah. I have seen. I just sent you a heart on Skype by accident, but honestly it's pretty cool. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, when you move him west of the house, suddenly his house appears and his family, they're like, oh, thanks so much for finding this guy. Like, you know, he gets lost easily. And as you continue exploring the island, you learn a little bit more about the island itself and, and the customs there and all the people who, you know, you're, you as Carto are trying to find your grandmother, you know, after the plane crashed. But you end up kind of learning about this island and then uh, you learn that there's a ritual on the island where when you reach 15, uh, you have to just set sail autonautical. You just set sail and just like leave the island basically forever. It's oh. sort of like the right of adulthood. Um, and there's this young girl who has just reached 15 and her family is like prepping her for this ritual, but she doesn't want to go. And um, when you talked, you know, before that moment, like, you know, the, the dialogue is like pretty light and just sort of like, you know, like, oh, this is fun and cheerful. But then this is sort of like, okay, there's like some kind of story happening here. Yeah. Um, and you have to find like, oh, she ran off. Like she's in the part of the forest where like all the trees meet. It's like, okay, now I have to switch around the forest and like make that and then she appears and she's like hey what's up like so my family wants me to leave the island forever this custom is stupid just because it's a ritual of ours you know it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's good like we could just be making the same mistake over and over again like why do i have to leave you know yeah. so she's like well if i have to like do you mind coming with me like I'd re i could really use a friend and you're like yeah sure like, she's like, okay cool i feel much better about this okay so She's like, meet me at the Northern Harbor. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, you get a page of the map where you have to, you know, reconfigure every... Oh, at first, she's like, I want something to remember the island by. Get me some soil from the part of the island where the grassland, the coast, and the forest all meet. So it's like, okay. She's like, there's one part of the island that can do this. You're like, okay, how do I, how do I reconfigure this to make this happen? Oh, this is so cool. Yeah, the puzzles are like tough, but they're never frustrating because I think, and I've read some reviews that have, have hammered this point, is like the game is so pleasant to be in that even the moments that might take you a bit are like not frustrating because it's so beautiful and because yeah. it's so like calming. So you eventually get the Northern Harbor uh, and she's like, thanks, you know, and everyone says goodbye. It's very heartfelt. And she's like, I'll see you all later and winks. And they're like, no, you can't say that. You're not supposed to come back. Uh, so like, I already really like the, the you know, you're as Carto, you're Silent protagonist, but I like the dynamic between her and and this this other girl who's like has to leave the island. So then you go to a new island with her, and there's like other. Now I'm at a point where like roads appear, and they're like, oh, this is at the end of the curvy road, so I have to like make the road all curvy. So it's really, mm. I really like games that like really focus on a singular mechanic. It reminds me a little bit in this idea of like let's choose one mechanic and dive as far as possible within it. Um, it reminds me of if found in that, like they decided to take one idea and like drill into it as far as possible, both mechanically and narratively. Yeah. And Carto is doing that with this very cool system of rearranging the map. It's something I haven't seen before, but it seems so familiar, which is like a really nice balance of like, okay, 
this feels like it's something I can kind of grasp onto immediately, but it is so wholly unique. Yeah, it, it, it feels so much like one of those ideas that's like so brilliant. You, you kind of can't believe that it hasn't been done before. You right, know, just right. like all the best ideas are that. Um, yeah, I, I, I the one I always point to is Fez, you know, Fez. Yeah, allowing of you course. To, switch between the the different dimensions uh, by pressing the triggers is like so fucking brilliant and and as soon as i saw it for the first time i was like oh how how is it taking this long for somebody to make a game that does this right Kanto weirdly feels the same way that like uh, of course you'd be able to pick up pieces of the map and move it around at will like that's that's such a cool idea yeah and the fact that there are some limitations make it like a little bit more of a puzzle game because if it was just like you could put them anywhere it'd be like okay this is like a little too light you know yeah, but the yeah. fact that it's like oh okay i have to I'm, I'm given goals within this and i'm given like structure that i have to follow is like really cool the other thing too is like the whole game is like maybe five hours so it's oh, nice. kind of like this is exactly the kind of game i want to see way more of where it's like here's like a really great idea and a really wonderful execution of it like a lot of character and and like unique charm and they just sort of focus on what they want to do and then get out you know mm-hmm. like there's such a lack of and i think i'm hoping that we're going to see way more of this kind of stuff where it's like here's like a five-hour game that it, that knows exactly what it wants to explore and does it you know yeah. rather than I mean, you know, every game is setting out to do its own unique set of goals. Like, I don't mind a game being bigger, but I do think, like, in doing this show, it is always such a joy to see a game that is less than 10 hours and and leave such an impact, you know, in terms of like, I will, I will now kind of catalog Carter's mechanics as something to refer to going forward. Totally. You know, of like what to do well. So I, I really strongly recommend this game. I don't have too much more to say. And that's why I kind of want to talk about it during a break to kind of also be short and sweet for once on this show. (laughs) Uh, But I think, um, I think it's something I could easily recommend to anyone all ages, all experience levels with games like it's a really wonderful time nice uh i I just finished downloading it on my xbox so oh yeah xbox pirate ship underwater (laughs) cool you want to leave the break and go back to the rest of the show that sounds good what is the delineation between break and segment for us um i just think it's like it's more of a like that's a great question. I just think it really is like, how much do we have to say, you mm-hmm. know, or like yeah. how long is the segment going to be? But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like a little vaudeville segment in between the, yeah. the acts. I think early on in the show, the, the initial thing was like, you and I would, would say we're taking a break and then like, just hang out on Skype for a while longer. And like, <laughs> we would just like edit in bits of that conversation as the break quote unquote. But yeah, the break has, has gone from being like a lowercase B to a capital B at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I call it what you will. I think it's, you know, the second act. Does that help? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I don't want the the name of the segment to be at all in relation to how we feel about the game itself, because I love this game. So I don't want it to appear like less than. But yeah, that's how I would categorize like the flow of the show. Yeah. It's a very self-aware episode. We're like really digging into like our own patterns and structure. Yeah. We're rearranging our own map, if you will. Oh, I love that. Yeah, th- yeah this is yeah. A, this is a very um very map based episode today. Which uh, in the latter half of season three, uh, ITA gets deliciously postmodern. <laughs> <laughs> I once had a teacher describe me as deliciously postmodern. Okay, as a person in high school, yeah, which was kind of strange. Yeah, how do you but feel anyway, about that? I have no idea. Uh, maybe I don't think it was delicious. I think it was delightfully. Uh huh. But um, regardless, how do you feel about being a postmodern person? I don't know. Yeah. What does it mean as a person? I don't know. I'm I'm trying to figure that out myself. 
This is the same teacher who said, when the bell rings, I wish we could all just dance instead of go to the next class. So, like, she was also kind of on some kind of post-modernity, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Aquarius season, baby. How is a person post-modern? You said, you said that, and it was like whatever the opposite of Winter Soldier activation words were. It was like, <laughs> you, you said that, and I went from being a person who can, like, form coherent thoughts to somebody whose brain just slid out of their ears, and now I got nothing up there. <laughs> if it helps you at all, it was an English class, so it might have been, like, in, re- in reference to what I was writing at the time. Mm-hmm. But she did say me as an individual, not yeah. Stephen's writing. Yeah. But in a postmodern world, what's the difference, you know? That's a great, it's a great point. I, I love Are this Are we just you, what we create? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, 16-year-old Steven was weirdly flattered. I was yeah. like, sick. One of my teachers once uh, at the, we were at the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia, and one of my mm. teachers told me I had nice eyes. It was the first time I'd ever like received a compliment <laughs> that I was aware of before. Oh, you know what's also weird? This is maybe like TMI, but uh, in health class, we were learning like the bullshit like, there are three body types, which is like, okay, that's not true. One. But, you know, the mesomorph, endomorph, oh, yes. My, the health teacher said, Steven is the definition of a mesomorph. And I was like, what? Whoa. So, you know, in all my bios now, I'm going to put postmodern mesomorph. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's I do like that over on. the course of this show, we're like kind of uh, inventing new, um, new like D&D alignments, you know, <laughs> as postmodern mesomorph. I think that has to be added to the list now. Yeah, we, we, we've added, what have What's we added? Uh, lawful spider, chaotic dad. And postmodern mesomorph. Postmodern mesomorph. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even know where that, at least with chaotic spider and lawful. Not lawful dead. Lawful dead is very funny. <laughs> no, no, no. You can't stay up too late. Uh, let's see. You want to move on? Yeah, sure. <laughs> but I was going to say, at least with Chaotic Spider and whatever whatever those two alignments were, it was in reference to Halloween decorations. I have no idea what postmodern mesomorph is in reference to. Yeah. Me, um, me either. Yeah. We'll find out one day. Yeah. I can't okay. even yes and this bit. I'm sorry. I don't even. I don't even know. <laughs> it's okay. Let's move. My on. brain slid out of my ears when when you said that you were postmodern. I you throw the word mesomorph in there. <laughs> I don't know. It's now now I've gone from having an empty head to having a head, but now it's like somebody put a a, a whole like bit of cauliflower in there instead of a maybe brain. it's like instead of true neutral, it's like literally just nothing. It's like what? What is like actual nothingness? Like yeah. not even not even apathy or or neutrality, but just nothing. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> See Thanks, you soon. Thanks, Carto. Thanks, Carto. Carto's a great game. Don't let this bit detract from that. Goodbye. Welcome back to Into the Aether, a low key video game podcast. My name is still. Brendan Bigley. My name is still Stephen Hilger, and you guessed it, somehow floating around us like a sort of asteroid caught in the gravitational pull of a galaxy marching forward and forward, we are talking again about Death Stranding. It's been um, a long time. It's been a it really been long, a long time. time. This, this is actually a very interesting game in terms of our like relationship with the, with the show. You and I, in the hype, the hype trail... Towards Death Stranding's release, you guessed it, in 2019? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, just full disclosure, this is another episode <laughs> where there's been there's been hours 
between the break and this new segment. So yeah, what you just heard between us pontificating about what a break actually means. And now there's been about two hours of real time where Steven and I have had a lot to drink. <laughs> That's who. But honestly, this episode is is like a little bit chaotic evil and I think we should just lean into it, you know? I totally agree. Like, I think I'm you got you, you gotta yes and the energy of the day sometimes. Yeah. Um anyway, Death Stranding is a game that you and I were like actively not interested in. It was the right. first game we used the Patreon money to buy because yes. neither of us wanted it at all. Like everything but we felt about- like we needed to talk about it because it was clearly so far and beyond what I think most people would expect from a AAA game. Yeah. It felt like such an event that we wanted to be able to take part in it and like have something to say about it. Right. Cause like, you know, as much as like we again are not beholden to the release schedule, this is a game that like, doesn't come out very often, you know, right. even in the marketing, it's like, what is this game? What do you do in it? What is it? Like, how would I feel playing it? All question marks, giant yeah. question marks across the board. We both got it. We both really liked it. I played a lot of it and it was in my uh, top three games of 2019. <laughs> uh, I really liked it. I thought it was incredible. Um, I definitely, I compared it to cilantro in that I don't know if it's for everyone. Let me rephrase that. It is not for everyone, and I don't know who it's for. Right. I, even after playing it for X hours, I'm about like maybe halfway through the game. I have not played it somewhat recently, but I just think like I really liked the, again, the quiet moments of the game. I liked the moments where you're just walking around and the music would come on. Um, and it feels like the best end result of giving an individual full like yes to any idea. You know, mm-hmm. I think a, a lot is said about like the Star Wars prequels where like there was no one telling George Lucas no and you that's what you got. <laughs> um, this feels like the logically the best thing you can get from not telling an individual no for better right. and for worse. Yeah. Like there are moments of Death Stranding that are actually straight up bad and repulsive. Uh, but there are also moments that are brilliant and really like have stuck with me since playing it. And I think underneath all the you know, Kojima-ness for better and for worse. What you get is a really, really, really cool and unique approach to the open world genre. And that to me is why I felt so positively about it. I really enjoyed just navigating the environment and doing what is seemingly mundane quests. Like I really loved the like, just the day-to-day gameplay of that game. Um, so now you have put in much more time with it and I'm so excited to hear how that experience has been. So please share with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. I, I'm, I'm going to be totally upfront. I, I went back and actually listened to our first episode about this game. It's called, <laughs> it's called Thanks Bub. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it that came one. out like, yeah. I don't know, the week after the game came out and you uh-huh. had played, I think if I'm remembering correctly, like seven to 10 hours of the game at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I had played about two, I played about two hours of that game. And that was pretty much where I left it at that point. I played yeah. about two hours and I just kind of stopped there. And that was that was getting towards the goatee season. You and I were revisiting all of the games that we'd played throughout the year and trying to figure out what our goatee list was going to be. And I was like, Death Stranding will be the last game that I check out in goatee season because it's the most recent. Um, and because of that, I ended up just not checking it out again. Uh, and, and weirdly enough, I just kind of like lost the motivation to play the game um, yeah. as much as I was like floored by it. And you can go back and listen to that episode and I'm like effusive about 
about how much I love that game. Like, I really, really enjoyed Death Stranding. Um, in the two hours that I played, I thought it was really striking and really interesting. I will, I will be totally candid. I got really frustrated at one specific bit. It's the bit where they they first introduce you to how to like escape the BTs, which are like the ghostly apparitions that kind of like haunt the world, which maybe we'll talk about later. Um, <laughs> Put a pin in that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they they first teach you like the uh, the like stealth mechanics to get around the BTS, uh, and I just kept dying over and over and over again in my in my original playthrough of the game, uh, and found it so frustrating that I just like put it down, and I, I I found it hard to find the motivation to go back and continue playing it. And it took me literally over a whole year to like regain that motivation and decide I'm going to check this thing out again. But in the in that time, in that initial first two hour experience where you and I talked about it on that episode, like you and I were both floored by it we went from thinking like what is this thing none of the trailers are giving us an indication of what the actual gameplay loop is like what are the mechanics even like we didn't know anything about it and and we came out the other end just being like so over the moon about what kojima and and kojima productions had had uh had unveiled and released um and it was almost to its credit that it didn't tell us any of that beforehand like i agree yeah yeah that marketing hype cycle for like literally three years uh led to a point where like i don't think you or i would have really anticipated that the actual gameplay mechanic is you put a bunch of mail on your back and then you hold the left trigger to hold your left backpack strap and you hold the right trigger to hold your right backpack strap and you hold on for dear life as you go down a hill and try to not fall over like that is (laughs) the game that is what death stranding is i would say in in its basis gameplay loop um, there's obviously death training is a lot more than just that, but in terms of like how you're actually playing the game, it is you load your backpack up with a bunch of mail and then you try and walk across an environment from one distribution point to another and you drop that mail off. Like that is what death stranding is. And, and I, I think something about the time that that game came out made me think like, this isn't for me right now, but I'm going to come back to it and I know I'm going to love it. And I even said that in the episode. I think I said something along the lines of like, eventually I will play more of this and I will love it. Uh, and it took a really long time. And and during the pandemic, when the pandemic first started, I thought like, I'm getting closer to the point where this game seems like it is. it, it might be the right time to play it. And for some reason... I just kept telling myself January of 2021, I'm going to wow. play Death Stranding. Yeah. And I've said that on the show a lot. I keep saying like, I'm going to come back to this it's game. It's your winter game. Yeah, It's going to yeah. be my winter game during the yeah. dearth of winter. Usually <laughs> what, what, I find, what I find very interesting is that the past couple of years of winter, um, the way that I've offset seasonal depression has been uh, experiencing a curatoriama material. Uh, mm. A couple of years ago, I watched all of Dragon Ball Z again. Uh, I watched Dragon Ball Super last winter. And then this year, strangely enough, has been um, has been Dragon Quest has yeah. been like like Dragon Quest has been my like rock, I guess, for for kind of offsetting seasonal depression. But I'm kind of like towards the end of Dragon Quest 11. And like, although I'm playing eight and enjoying it, I don't think that it's giving me as much solace or like bringing me as much kind of um, uh, balance as Death Stranding is. So I I went back and I started playing Death Stranding. I read uh, an incredible article uh, in the Washington Post. Um, They have they have like a a video game vertical called Launcher these days that's uh, headed up by Gene Park. And he, he wrote an article that was just kind of talking about how like Metal Gear Solid 2 kind of predicted what social media could potentially do to us in 2001, you know, before even like Twitter existed and all that stuff. 
Hideo Kojima wrote all of that stuff in Metal Gear Solid 2 and it was written off as just like nonsense like people just didn't take it seriously they just thought it was like oh this is weird techno babble inspired by the Matrix being a big hit but it doesn't mean (laughs) anything for this like stealth action military game Uh, but in reality like became kind of exactly the world that we live in Uh, a lot of it about being uh, like, you know, everybody sitting behind a screen wearing masks when they're online and and, uh, you know, settling themselves into social media bubbles that kind of only reaffirm their own positions and don't allow them to to see the views of others, things like that. Like that was all stuff that he wrote in Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty for the PlayStation 2. <laughs> And and what this article presupposed on Washington Post was essentially like Death Stranding is that again. It just happened a lot sooner. Uh, yeah. You know, Metal Gear Solid 2 happened in 2001 and then it took, you know, another six years for Twitter to launch in 2007 at South by Southwest. And then another question mark years before it became the like social influencing uh, nightmare monolith that it's become these days. I, I, I want to be very clear. I, I believe that social media is like an inherent good in society uh, as as like a product. Like, I think it's a good thing for us, but I think it's being managed poorly. Uh, mm. But anyway, point being the the conversation that or, or at least the the idea that Gene Park presupposes in this article is like Death Stranding is the answer to that. Like if Hideo Kojima was terrified of social media in 2001, what he's come out the other end with is this optimism about it in in uh 2019 uh yeah, or it's, it's, like, I guess. it's the last thing left in a society that has vanished yes you know it's like the last thing that actually connects these i mean for those unfamiliar just stranding takes place in like a post-apocalyptic america but in a way that america has become like iceland and a few cities underground right so like every society basically when you die if a, a human being dies it causes like the equivalent of a nuclear explosion through kind of like supernatural means right and then that ghost almost becomes like a a creature called the bt that you know you encounter throughout your playthrough of death stranding yeah but uh basically like everyone is underground far away cannot really have direct contact the game constantly plays with this idea of like not quite being present like characters in intense moments will be like you're not even here you know sam will walk through uh projections a hologram of, of a person who is uh, supposedly in the room with them but he's like you're not you're not even here you're just a hologram you're in another room you know hundreds of miles away from me he he has a phobia of like person to person touching like he doesn't yeah. shake hands or anything even even when rarely he's in the room with someone else he's unable to connect right the only person he's really able to connect to is bb the the baby kind of navi tool and best friend of the adventure who's like honestly incredible like the all the promo stuff with bb was a kind of disturbing and like when you play the game bb is like the person you care about the most yeah at least in my experience but anyway i think what you're getting to what the article is getting to is like in a post COVID world, death stranding is like oddly insightful. And like, yeah, I think there is no better time to play death stranding than right now is, is I yeah. think the, the, the point that I'm walking away from this game, uh, just kind of espousing is like as, as interesting as it was. And as much as I liked it when we were playing it in November of 2019, um, <laughs> there's uh-huh. something about playing it in January of 2021 where it's like, let me, let me just lay out the basic idea of this game. There is an invisible threat that is that is uh, preventing all of humanity from leaving their houses 
And the most important people in the world are those who deliver things back and forth, who risk their lives to go outside and deliver things from person to person. Like, it is wild that this game came out before COVID hit. Yeah, and it, it's, it's wild that this game was in development for like four or five years before COVID was a thing. You know, this is the yeah. fastest we've gone from person predicts the future to the future actually happens, you know, and, and, and that person's uh, predicted future becomes reality. Uh, but there is something so interesting about playing this game in a post COVID world. As much as I enjoyed the first two hours back then, I, I started from the beginning again. I was like, let me let me, you know, start from scratch and like r- kind of relearn what what Kojima wants me to take away from the opening hours in terms of like gameplay mechanics but also vibe and tone and things like that and just like give myself a fresh start and and this game just becomes profound when you're playing it now like that's the that's like the real experience that i'm having it's just this like not only is there a prescience in the story uh it, in terms of just like you predicted everything that's happening now but i think it just feels like an optimist's view of what is happening right now made before the thing that is happening now happened. Uh, if that makes any sense, there's, there's like this wild take on the COVID-19 pandemic in death stranding that was created before the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Uh, I, I now feel differently about the, the state of the world that we're living in than I did before I started playing. And, and I think, uh, you know, just to drill in a little bit more, there's some like real nonsense that's happening in Death Stranding, you know, like yeah, as you would yeah. expect from every Kojima game, there's some like right. real nonsense happening. But as we said in our first episode about it, it is streamlined in a way that I think a lot of his stuff is not because he's working with, I would imagine, less of a budget than he was able to when he was working at Konami, you know, because he was, you know, searching for other producers here and there to to give money to his newly formed studio. He had to pare down a lot of what the game was going to be doing. And because of that, it feels more streamlined than even any of the Metal Gear Solid games. I, I've, I've mentioned before, I watched all of Metal Gear Solid 2 being played uh, and I have tried playing Metal Gear Solid 3 and I just find the actual systems of the game to be uh, imparsable in some instances because they're so ballooned. There are so many things happening in those games that I have a hard time like wrapping my head around what I'm supposed to be doing at any given moment. And like the amount of button combinations that lead to different results makes me feel like I can't ever have a full grasp of the mechanics of any of them. And that's like definitely just a me thing because those games are very successful and a lot of people really love them and have a huge affinity for them our producer aj included loves the metal gear solid games but i have always found them to be kind of imparsable mechanically as much as i wanted to engage with the narrative and death stranding on the flip side is so simple you're picking up packages and you're 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 walking them from one place to another and then you drop them off and every once in a while there are things that you need to either run very fast away from or walk very slowly past and like that that's kind of the extent of what they're doing here. And and because of that, I find it to be very manageable from a mechanic standpoint and wildly engaging from a narrative standpoint. And because of that, it allows me as a person who's always wanted to engage narratively with Kojima works to like finally understand the point that he's trying to make from like go like from minute one. I'm like, yes, I'm on board with what you're doing here. And I think it's really interesting. I'm early enough in the story where I I don't think anything that I'm going to say is going to be like a spoiler. And I think you and I are planning on actually talking more about like story stuff at some point down the line. Um, But what I will say about the early 
hours of the game is like you are Norman Reedus's character, Sam Porter Bridges. Uh, your whole thing is that you're a legend for being able to deliver things from point A to point B. Uh, porters in this world or delivery people um, are essentially like the highest held members of society as the people who will go outside. Like just the fact that you go outside at all is shocking. But the fact that you will go outside and trek across untamed worlds go through um you know bt territory again the bts are the ghosts or whatever uh you will trek through bt territory to deliver things from point a to point b make you a legend as sam porter bridges and there are other companies and other you know individuals doing the same thing leia saido plays a character named fragile who runs an operation called i think fragile industries who you know is kind of a similar person or does a similar thing to you but porters delivery people are like the bedrock of society which i think is really interesting i mean again you know the the parallels between what is happening in this game and what is happening now are like one to one but you have to remember that this game came out in november of 2019 Uh, wild anyway so you are sam porter bridges and you eventually find out like again you could go back and listen to thanks bub it's our episode about this game we talk about this a lot but like you find out hey your mom is the president of the united states or what's (laughs) left of the united states very kojima shit um and she's like you have to reconnect the united states every city has gone off grid essentially they are all fending for themselves but together if we link ourselves together if we uh, drag a rope from point A to point B, like a strand, for example, yeah. uh, we can be connected again. Anyway, if, if we connect all of the cities in the United States that are willing to be connected again, we can become the United Cities of America and, and, and you know, start to thrive and prosper and things like that. And Sam is like, fuck that. <laughs> He's like, I'm just a guy who delivers things and that's all I'm good at and that's why I'm doing it. Like, the only reason I'm doing it is because I'm good at it and not for any like philosophical moral reasons. And eventually he gets convinced like, okay, I will do this. I'm not doing this for the United cities of America. I'm doing this because my sister is on the West coast and I want to go see her again. And I haven't seen her in forever. She's like the one person that he's interested in actually seeing and being in a room with. So he's like, I'll go do this just because it takes me to my sister. She's also, Uh, I think at that point in the game said to be held hostage by terrorists, right? So yeah, there's, so, an, so there's she, an added she, incentive. Yeah, she tried doing this. She tried moving from the East Coast to the West Coast. And once she made it to the West Coast, ended up getting captured by terrorists who were like, you can stay here. You can communicate with whoever you want, but you can never leave this facility. Yeah. Um, like they, they just know that because of the state of the world, nobody's going to come save her. You know, like she yeah. can communicate with whoever she wants. It doesn't mean she's ever going to escape from there. And, and Sam is like, I'm going to go see her. I'm going to go break her out. I will be the person to do it because I'm not afraid of being outside as much as he is afraid afraid of being with people he's not afraid of being outside and like seeing what the world is capable of so again just worth noting like this is this is all stuff coming from a game that 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 came out before the pandemic hit and and i think it it's it plants a really interesting flag in the ground in terms of like this constant conversation that we've all had about you know social media as a good or an evil in society and i i think uh you you brought it up brilliantly actually in our episode about it just talking about how like a lot of kojima's interactions with people a lot of his uh it seems like a lot of his best interactions happen online. Like he is a very active Twitter presence. He he talks to people a lot on the internet and a lot of his like, uh, I would say most optimistic and most fruitful conversations seem to happen on the internet. He will always meet a person like Robert De Niro, for example, in person, one of his idols, and then immediately post about it on the internet and say like, 
look at this amazing thing that happened to me. And I think he almost takes more enjoyment in telling other people about the good thing that happened to him than the actual good thing that happened to him. And, you know, that's just complete conjecture from my end. But I think if you if you were to take that and say that that is the truth, it paints a direct line towards what Death Stranding is. Because a lot of the interactions that you have in Death Stranding are you as Sam Porter Bridges moving from point A to point B, placing down ladders to, you know, uh, climb mountains and placing down bridges to hop over rivers and things like that, which because of the online functionality of the game, those ladders that you place down, those bridges that you place down will appear in the worlds and in the games of other players you can then like those bridges and those ladders and those ropes and things like that. Those likes, although they are meaningless, really, they're just they're just a number that goes up. The more people like the things that you've built in the world, um, they, they create a real sense of optimism. They create a real sense of togetherness and unity that I think they almost don't in real life when you when you first think about it. But in the long term, become like a it's it's okay that I derive enjoyment from getting a like on my post. You know, um, I, I think I think that's kind of like the end game point or one of the end game points. I'm, again, only like 10 to 15 hours into Death Stranding in this playthrough currently, and I'm going to play through the rest of it. But at the moment where I'm at is like there's a weird naivety towards the story saying like we have to bring America together again. Like it sounds so similar to the nightmare shit of like make America great again, which I like. Right. So am not on board with. But the game almost treats it as like a naive idea. And Sam dismisses it outright is like us being linked together on the fucking Internet is not the thing that's going to bring us together. But the thing that does bring us together in the game, or at least the thing that I've found the most emotional resonance from has been the moments when I put a sign down that say there's BTs up here and then people interact with that sign and hit the like button on that sign. Yeah. It, it, it drills the point that you've actually helped someone else. You know, I yes. think like on social media, when you tweet something or whatever and you get a bunch of likes, like it, it can be like a quick thrill, but the meaningless. But in this game, the likes are only given when you've actually helped someone. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me, it's like, okay, like what you're doing in this game, what potentially what you're doing on social media does have an impact on someone else's world. Right. And them liking it is like a, in response to that for better and for worse, mm -hmm. you know? So I think like it's simple stuff, but I agree. Like the fact that I can put a bridge over a river and someone likes it, it's like that. And even uh, on the flip side, when you're in your world and you're like struggling to carry like a leaning tower of pizza esque uh, bundle of, of deliveries yeah. and someone wantonly placed a ladder over a river or put a ladder over a mountain and it like is, is the thing that makes you able to deliver those things. It really is like you said, an optimistic view of like social interaction. It's a world where what you do in this game can literally only help other people. Right. Uh, and that is, is very good. I think you're right that like the game does have a lot of nonsense. Like whenever there's a scene where someone tells you why they're named the way they are run. Um, but like <laughs> there is a lot of really ingenious and very like vulnerable stuff happening in this game. I think like, Going back to uh, Sea of Thieves, the solitary moments where like you're just walking as Sam yes. and a song will come on. That's what really stuck with me. And I think the the indirect online activity is incredible. And the fact that you're paid with likes or it's like 
you'll deliver a pizza to Conan O'Brien and you'll get a bunch of likes from him. And it's like, this should mean nothing, but it does mean something. I, I know what it took to get this to happen. Right. And I think especially in a 2021 lens, now that we've been living in a pandemic for a year, basically, the fact that like the game is really joining the point of like, here's what it takes to give you what you need, not what mm-hmm. you want. The right. pizza is like the most luxurious it gets. These people are asking for like the basic supplies. And right. here's what it takes to get you that. Medicine or like metal that you can use to turn into something that you would need. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I do think it's, I've almost been like weary of playing it now. But after you've had this experience, I'm, I'm more willing. I, again, I got like halfway through the game. So like I'm right at the mountain region where you get zip lines. Mm. So like, and this is where like, I was really into the story in the beginning. I think there are some scenes later on that like took me out of it a little bit. Yeah. But I do think the heart of the story is very well done. I think mean, like Sam and the performances that are here are very well done. And like just the very simple and basic notion of like I want to go to the West Coast to see my sister and Die Hardman wants me to reconnect all the cities. So I guess I'll do that while I'm actually secretly doing what I want to do. But you see how your actions affect people along the way. Um, it does weirdly kind of tie into like when you reconnect a city, it feels like activating a tower in uh, Breath of the Wild or any open mm. world game. Yeah. But in a very different lens where it's like, oh shit. Like, and, and what the game does that I think pays off is like, not every city wants to be reconnected right away. Some are like, fuck that. Government doesn't do shit for us, which is a very real feeling yeah. from a lot of the country for better and for worse. But like drilling home the point that like us being connected inevitably will do more positive than it will negative, I think is lands itself to your optimistic read of the game where it's like us being connected gives more opportunity for us to help um, than it does for us to hurt, even though that potential also exists. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree with your read on the game. Yeah. I, I just, I, the more I play this game, the more I think like, okay, you know, I, again, I'm early enough in that I'm not sure where this, where this lands, but I do think that there is this like weird naivety to just like the main top level plot of being, you got to reconnect America, Sam. This is the thing that's going (laughs) to make everything better is when you reconnect the United States of America. Like I'm just waiting for the moment when Norman Reedus like turns to the camera and be like, maybe, maybe America doesn't deserve to be reconnected. You know, like maybe it should be something different and something new or whatever that, that aside, the thing that I'm finding is like maybe closer to Kojima's vision of what this game is supposed to be, uh, read as, or is supposed to be espousing are like the moments when you're running from point A to point B and, and you have a haul, you know, that you're bringing because you have a, you have an order that you've accepted and you're trying to deliver that order and you find like a lost item on the ground that is supposed to go to another distribution center than the one that you're on the way to. But like, maybe it's a bit out of the way, but like not so far out of the way that you, you wouldn't be able to deliver it. You could pick that thing up and put it on your back and you could bring it to the place that it belongs. And you know, your, your only reward is going to be social media likes. Essentially. It's just going to be thumbs up, but there's something about the feeling of delivering that thing to the place that it was meant to go, even though it wasn't your objective that, that, it makes you feel closer to like humanity as a whole, I think, in a way that I find really beautiful and really uh, wonderful and uplifting because like currently there aren't a lot of ways to do that in real life. 
there are not a lot of instances in which like I can leave my house and like do a good for someone else because I was just walking to the grocery store and I found something that could make me help someone else. Like this is almost like this is almost like a fantasy version of being able to help other people. But the thing is that like the game doesn't really reward you for that in any meaningful way outside of likes, but it still encourages you to do it. And that's obviously via dialogue, right? Like there are characters in the game that will tell you to do that, but you don't have to. And yet I find myself doing that more than I am playing the actual game. Like I find myself going out of my way to collect a, chiral matter which are like you know little (laughs) hand shaped metals that are poking out of the ground almost as if they were plants and picking them up so i can you know recycle them at the nearest distribution center just so i can give them more materials to work with so like their society can run a little bit better than it was before like those are the moments that i find the most beautiful and they're not even part of the actual story of the game yeah i agree i think like Boy, does the game like reminding you this, but you know, it begins with the quote of like the stick versus the rope in terms of like basic gameplay design, whereas a stick is to keep bad things away and a rope is to bring important things closer. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, you see a lot of uh, stick philosophy in a lot of games um, where it's like a lot about killing the enemy or shooting things. And like, it's, it's not inherently bad to have a game about eliminating a threat. But I do think that, you know, in 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 our discussion, not to not to bring cyberpunk up again, but I feel like, you know, in a lot of the marketing of cyberpunk, it's like you can shoot someone in the fucking head and then hack their head. And it's like, yeah, we're so like kind of exhausting to have that where it's like, look, there's a place for a game like Doom where it's just like kind of like Mm. trance like, you know, action. But I think that. Death Stranding reminds you that like, you can get the same kind of thrill and the same feeling of accomplishing a problem or, or solving a situation. You know, it, all games boil down to is like, what is the thing that needs to be adjusted or fixed and how do I do that? Yeah. Death Stranding shows that like you can get the same thrill from helping someone and not getting a direct like benefit from it but you still get that like satisfaction that you completed a game objective. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's the weird, like logical next step from, uh, early on in the pandemic, I started playing ghost of Tsushima and I, yeah. I, I said a very similar thing. I was like the, the ability to go down this checklist of to do items and check these things off and know that every time I check something off, I've helped someone in this world and I've like had agency over a world that seems chaotic is the reason that I'm playing this game. You know, like ghost of Tsushima versus like a, an Assassin's Creed game for example, like an Assassin's Creed game, I could I could go out into the world and do a bunch of quests and feel like I've had absolutely no power over it. And like it, it just is a thing to check off of the list because that's what Ubisoft wants me to do. Ghost of Tsushima feels like I'm actually having an impact on the world and making it better in a way that Breath of the Wild kind of does. You know, Breath yeah. of the Wild kind of like leans into this idea that like the apocalypse has already happened, but society is kind of like banding together anyway and, and, and trying to forge a path forward in a horrific future and like make something that seems like optimistic and, and fruitful. Ghost of Tsushima seems like it's kind of trying to do that same thing. Death Stranding is like the next step of that where like you don't even get anything from what you've done. Like you, you're yeah. literally just getting social media likes 
for on, on on your ability to deliver a pizza from point A to point B without <laughs> dropping it in a river. Yeah. But like that is that is weirdly enough in this game. Like the moments of the moments of silence and quiet and and the moments in which like you realize like I can't make it over this cliff unless I have a ladder. And then you plant the ladder down and you climb up that ladder and you find that somebody else has already put a ladder halfway up there for you to grab onto to get the rest of the way. Like those are the moments yeah, that absolutely. give you the catharsis that you would normally get in every other game from completing right. an objective. Cause it, cause it's, it's giving you a clear problem and you find the solution either organically or through the help of someone else. Yes. Um, and the end result is helping someone else versus defeating a dragon or something you know and like not to not to debase that either but it's it's a it's a familiar approach to something very new i would weirdly and bear with me i would connect it strangely to undertale in the sense that undertale is a game that is directly instructing you to kill everything Mm -hmm. and the first character you meet is like here it's killer be killed you got to attack enemies when you find them yeah but you will quickly learn that if you don't attack them you know you see right away that there are other options in battle even that you can end the battle without killing and maybe sometimes you end up as a player getting a more satisfying result by doing so Mm -hmm. so it's like you know I, i think that like conflict in video games is inherently needed but it is really fascinating to see games that have conflict where it is ended peacefully in a way that gives you the same thrill as like defeating a boss you know yeah like uh, the boss here is the environment and the obstacles and not an individual and when it is an individual it's jarring and it kind of reminds you like why do we default to this in game design you know why do we default to having an other that we have to defeat right uh and it you know i think that like i mean we both love dragon quest and dragon quest is all about like kill the monsters it's great you know and like (laughs) yeah it works in the context of that game but i think that in the evolution of the medium it is very thrilling and insightful to see games that question that default mechanic in a Mm. way that is so successful yeah yeah I, i i find i find um just the act of like walking around this environment to be so so like calming in a way like yeah it it really does remind me so much of breath of the wild in that like breath of the wild the i it's one of those games that i really wish i could just like wipe my memory of having played it and play it again because every time (laughs) i go back to it i'm just like oh oh i'm back here instead of oh i'm discovering something new again um but the first time i played breath of the wild i was running around that world and just like completely in awe of everything that was in the uh, on the horizon as i ran towards it and 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 love to see the ways in which society was still like coping with the fact that the apocalypse had happened and like the great evil had already won literally a century ago you know like how how are we thriving how are we still farming and raising horses and like keeping a village going given the fact that like ganondorf fucking owns hyrule castle i i thought that that was a really beautiful sentiment and death stranding seems to be like taking that to the to the 10th degree you know like yeah. it, it is taking that concept that i think was like kind of a little bit buried in breath of the wild like although breath of the wild was about that it felt more about link's journey and zelda's journey than it was about like the reconnection of society death stranding is like what if we just took that concept and turned that into the whole game what if the entire thematic arc of the game was just about helping others and bringing society back together again 
And I, th- I think it takes a really interesting approach to it, right? Like, a- as we already talked about with the, with the lost items out in the world, as we already talked about with the ability to put down a ladder somewhere and have that sh- appear in somebody else's game, um, having ladders from other people's worlds appear in your game, uh, it gets to the point where you can build entire highways and road structures from point A to point B, um, which are extremely difficult to build. But if you go out of your way to do it, it's like so worth it and you know it's going to help other people. But that e- it's even happening like in the actual narrative itself, although it's happening mechanically, it's also happening in the narrative where like Sam is becoming more and more open to the idea of togetherness, you know, like through his own actions of helping others, he's starting to realize that those actions are not only bringing people together, but are opening his own mind to the idea of being close to someone else. And I would not be surprised if this game ended with him getting over his fear of being touched by someone else physically in person um, and actually being in the same room as someone else, for example. Things like that I just find so beautiful. And like, I, I hate to keep harping on it, but like, this is the experience that I'm having. During the pandemic, there is no greater thematic arc to be experiencing than this idea that like we are all cooped up in our houses we can't we literally can't leave because of an invisible threat but through the through sheer force of will and the desire to see and speak with and like be with others we can overcome this like horrific shit that's happening and 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 humanity can continue to not only like exist but maybe thrive it's it's beautiful like there is like as as much as people loved Death Stranding, I mean, it, like you said, it was cilantro when it came out. But like as much as pe- some people love Death Stranding now or, or back when it came out, now is the time to be playing it. As far as I'm mm. concerned, we're, we're now just about a year into this pandemic. We're about a year into us like being at home, not being able to see the people that we know and love and like miss dearly outside of like Zoom calls and Skype calls and things like that. And it's so similar to Sam's experience of going to a distribution center and dropping off a bunch of materials and not even getting to meet the person who runs a distribution center because they've opted into appearing as a hologram instead of in their physical forms. They're they're like literally a hundred feet away, but have chosen to stand in front of a camera and show up as a hologram instead of be there physically because it's so terrifying to be outside and near the surface. That that is like very literally what this world is like, like even walking down two blocks from my apartment and going to the grocery store is terrifying to me. Yeah. But like even the people he is connected to literally with BB where they're like connected via tubes and stuff. Yeah. There's like a layer between them. There's like a literal plastic wall between them. Absolutely. You know? And that's that is someone who is introduced to Sam as a tool, you know, that he keeps being told by dead man. Yeah. And die hard. Men. Don't get attached. That, don't get attached. But. BB ends up being the character that Sam, you know, most connects with as a person. Right. And and that only continues as the game progresses where like BB goes from being a tool to literally like the first and foremost person, like literally like a a child to Sam. Yeah. And, you know, there's a villain or an antagonist later on uh, portrayed by Mads Mikkelsen, who's incredible, who has some kind of connection to BB that that story Unreal. That's an incredible story. I'm yeah. so excited. For I haven't you even hit there yet to experience more of that. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. No, it's a good time. <laughs> um, and there's a lot. Of, and that's the thing that this game, like as many moments that will have your jaw drop. There's also moments where like, what the fuck? Why did this get in this game? Why was this not edited out? Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna lie. Like, even if this game is for you, there are moments that are like cringy and bad. But 
the heart of it, which you have beautifully detailed, like the core of this game's story and the message and and most of the plot I do I do think lands very strongly. And I think, like you said, is so tethered to what's happening right now that it's hard to ignore. I'm excited to go back to it. I do wanna finish it and now is the time. Yeah. It really does feel like the time. I mean, I, I, I can't pull myself away from this game. Every moment that I'm not playing Death Stranding, I just want to be playing Death Stranding at the moment. And and I, I am absolutely going to finish this game sooner than later, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could keep talking about it forever, but I should probably stop for now until we, you know, until I've played more <laughs> of it and have a better sense of it. But um, I, I think just like on the outset, just like, you know, from 100 meters up, it, it just is exactly what I hoped it would be for right now. You know, I, I decided that I wanted to play like a big open world game during the dearth of winter. And it was either going to be this or Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, <laughs> and I, I think yeah. I made the right call based on what this game is about and what is happening in the world currently. And I, and, and I don't want that to at all sound like I'm, I don't know, dis- dismissing the, the heaviness of what's happening right now you know by comparing it to a video game but i do think that like you know this is an art form this is a medium this this has something to say about the current climate um and this like weirdly enough predicted what is happening now and and i think has a really interesting take on how we are supposed to reconnect after something like this because so much of my time recently in idle moments has has been the consideration of like how how do we as people like reconnect after being disconnected for over a year you know like humanity like we as people like kind of crave interaction you know whether it be in person or online like we crave interaction with others and and this game strangely enough charts a path towards togetherness after something this horrifying you know i i've i've talked to a lot of people who say like you know, I hop on a Zoom call with my friends and I don't even know how to have a conversation anymore because it's been so long since I've talked to them. And and this game is like, strangely enough about that, is about that like, if you just continue to put yourself out there and you continue to, to walk towards the North Star of what you think is positivity and helpfulness uh you you will come out the other end forming stronger bonds than you had before and and i I think that that is like an unreal and prescient take to have you know a year before this horrible shit went down um and and really is going to be at the front of my mind it's going to be at the forefront of my brain when i'm vaccinated and can go see my friends again you know i'm going to be thinking about death stranding and i just like there are so few instances in which you can interact with a piece of art that that affects you so profoundly. Uh, and, and, and this game is definitely having that effect on me right now. And I, I can't wait to continue playing it, even if it totally goes off the fucking deep end and gets so wild that I, I don't even care about it anymore. These opening hours of it are still going to yeah. stick with me. I have heard from many close friends. The ending is is great. I think it's like just sort of like moments in the middle that kind of are hit or miss, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's it's sometimes like the allegorical naming can be a bit much where it's like, hello, I'm Hardship Road. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I my name I, is I, Quest Giver Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with your read of the of the intention of the game. 100 um, percent. I loved it. I, I had a great time with it. And I definitely want to finish it. And I'm glad it's I don't. it's weird. I don't want to say I'm glad it's having this impact because it's like through a very unfortunate time. But I'm glad that in a time of hardship, there is a piece of art that can so strongly reflect what a lot of people are going through. Yeah. And, and that's the thing I think about this game is like, if it wasn't a pandemic, 
you know, if, if it wasn't uh, COVID, for example, something like this would have happened at some point. Like this, this game was always right about its take on how to reconnect after something horrible. And unfortunately, there was always going to be something horrible that was going to cause something like this, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of games are like, there are a lot of video games specifically that are about here's a horrible event. How do you find hope or purpose afterwards yeah you know i mean i think that's a lot of breath of the wild mm-hmm. um that's a lot of uh you know final fantasy 6 dragon quest 11 yeah. like you know they all navigate it in very different ways but i think that like there's something about video games that allows for that type of failure to happen that movies and tv do not you know right usually movies are about like we got to prevent this from happening and video games is like that already happened now you got to live with it and find a quest that gives you purpose yeah, yeah yeah um which is very fascinating and i think this game explores that thoroughly yeah um I'm 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 all I'm all talked out about Death Stranding for now. <laughs> Do you want to wrap up? I would love to wrap up. I think now's the time. Yeah. Um, hey, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you, especially right now. In in you know in conversations about like connection in this time, I think we've been very vocal about how this show has provided that for both you and I, you know, connecting as friends and also like me, you know, pandemic aside, being able to like kind of interact with people, listen to the show and the discord and like, yeah, kind of, you know, make new friends. Like, you know, we were, we were talking in the break about how like you and I have both become close friends with our group of friends before the show, mm. you know, like it's, it's just really nice that this show has lent itself to us getting closer as people, our friends meeting each other and getting closer and, you know, stuff like the discord where a lot of people have found like a social group that they feel safe and secure in. Like that's all we really want as people, you know, totally. Um, That's beautiful. So very thankful for that. And thank you for listening to this, uh, to this episode. Um, if you like the show and you're like, I want to connect, I want to be paid in likes. I want to be named <laughs> like giver quest man. Uh, you can share with a friend. It's the easiest way to help the show grow. Uh, thank you very much to our patrons. We've got a few more recently. Thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, the Patreon, as we often say, helps the show grow. We can do the show without it. So if at any point in this hard time, giving to the show financially is too much for you, withdrawing your support will not hurt our feelings. We understand. You got to take care of you first and foremost. Yes. But for those who have the finances to offer, thank you so much. Uh, we already have plans to get a lot of new equipment. I'm getting a new capture card. Once I get a new laptop, stuff like that, you're going to see more outside of the show happen. And as always, we're brainstorming ideas to thank the patrons without making paywall content. That's kind of the current battle right now is like, how do we give back without making stuff that is exclusive? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, keep an eye on that. Well, we're, and also offer all feedback we're very very open to that right now our plan is to build a bridge over bt territory so you don't even have to (laughs) be near the bts you know what i would love like a monorail from chicago to new jersey that i could just stand on and just go (laughs) that'd be incredible but yeah uh also thank you to those who wrote reviews on apple podcasts if you have a minute and you want to put your thoughts into words and write a kind review 
hopefully, uh, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, or you can just rate it to five stars. Either way, that also helps the show grow. Um, can I just shout out the people who have written us emails recently as well? A, a couple yes. of people have written us emails, yes. which uh, I think we were like up in the air about reading on air, and we've decided not to just because like they didn't say explicitly like whether they were comfortable or not with us sharing that stuff on air but some people have written us some really nice emails about what the show means to them and stuff like that and that really means so much to the two of us oh my god I mean, yeah yeah it made our day yeah to those who have written us emails you know who you are thank you so much i i responded to a couple just like communicating that but like kept it short um but i'll say it again like Thank you. That, that's very kind. I mean, that 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 is probably the most you can get back to us saying, like, if the show means that much to you, um, we don't expect that in any form. And getting it is always very much a pleasant surprise. So thank you. Yeah. Um, into the cast dot online is where you can find all our links. Guess what? It doesn't matter now because it's coming out on Wednesday, but I'm streaming shortly after this recording. <laughs> uh, we are continuing our plan to stream at least once a week. You have your Dragon Quest playthrough you're doing. I'm going to keep doing some Skyrim stuff. And I have some plans once I get my new laptop to do some other projects. Uh, so that's very cool. Yeah. Um, that's I'll probably play some Hitman, I imagine, because Hitman 3 is coming out soon and I really want to play that. Oh, yeah. I haven't played any of them. I'm excited to hear about that or play. Me either. I haven't played any of the new ones. I haven't played the 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 IO Interactive one two or one or two games. So I'm excited to play three. Very cool. But yeah, that's basically it. Um, do you have anything to add to that? Anything about Good Morning Video Games or anything you want to say? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll just mention again. Uh, I do I do a morning show every weekday morning called Good Morning Video Games. It's about uh, video game news. If you want to tune in, uh, I'm generally extremely tired and drinking coffee and talking about <laughs> stuff that I think is interesting. Um, it's got some smooth jazz and it's got a view out of my window. Uh, and I don't know. It's been an interesting time so far. I've been I've been really into uh, the experience of making it so far. So that said, I mean the response has been awesome and i've been really enjoying it you and i have talked a little bit about the idea of like doing spinoffs for the show you have one that you're talking about that i don't think we're ready to like really talk about yet but uh um, no that were that were in that were in discussions about which is fun uh good morning video games is the first but there's another one in the works uh potentially yeah. and uh i don't know it, the, the, every year you and i try and like kind of grow the show a little bit more both like just in general, but also a little bit outside of our own comfort zones. And I think that's um, thrilling. I'm making a video show, which is like terrifying to me. Yeah, uh, no, it's yeah. awesome. I, I totally agree. And I think that's all thanks to the support we've gotten from you. So thank you. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably good note to end on. Anything else would be kind of extra. And I don't want to be extra right now. So I'm going to sign off. Cool. Uh, my name is Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, the ship is sinking. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. I love you. I, lo I love you. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Worst garbage, the online.